Welcome to episode 901 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, Tim, welcome along to episode 901 of Iron Talk, John, and I did my research. You did? Yep. yep. We've done about 968 episodes. Nice. Yeah, so we're close to a thousand. Get to that thousand. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you go. So I was, I was, last week I thought, oh, I have a look. So we've done 901 weekly shows. We haven't mm-hmm. even missed a week, have we? Oh, when you died, basically. Yeah, that's true. We did when yeah. I died. Yeah. yeah, that's right. When I died. You let the side down. <laughs> it was disappointing. <laughs> Come on, Hiles. <laughs> I'll come into your bloody hospital bed, <laughs> knock you on the head, you're in a coma. Come on, <laughs> spit something out. Uh, so yeah, we did miss a week when I died. So we've had nine, well, 900, well, basically, basically 900 consistent weeks. And then Epic Camps, Kona Camp, Kona's and... We'll, Rotem. Yeah, so, so there you go. There you go. There you go. Going Don't places. <laughs> Tell you what, I'm going to have to rehydrate today. We had a very hot swim this morning. Why was it hot? <laughs> For whatever reason. You know when you dive in the pool and the, the best temperature you want, you dive in and you just get a bit of a shiver going, yeah. oh, it's a bit cold. Yeah. Uh, and then you warm up and you'll be sweet. This morning you dive in, it's like, Jesus, this feels hot. And so somebody had obviously cocked up the temperatures bl- during the I night. remember years ago, this oh. is years and years ago, the YMCA in Auckland City, they had a 25 metre pool. And I don't think many swimmers used it, mm. and so it was. I think it was warm enough for like recreational swimming and kids, little kids. Yeah, swimming, that's what they do. Yeah, and OMG, I mm. got sick because mm. I don't know. It was like it was like tepid warm, you know, like yeah. it was not no, good. Wasn't pleasant, but no. anyway, I survived I, another day. Well done. Get some water down, yeah. <laughs> I talk is proudly brought to you by our fantastic patrons. We got uh, how the brown cow dolphin. How now brown cow dolphin? Oh, how now brown cow. But sorry. I think it's supposed to be Hugh. That's right. It is too. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, the president Reagan, and we have got Skip. Peanuts Slade. He's a good triathlon coach as well. Okay, this week's show, we've got some news. Hot Topic of the Week, Pro of the Week. We've got two coaches' corner, and John cheated in one of them. I did. Well, I thought, what is ChatGBT going to say about how we should be faster Ironman? And we'll see what they say, and then I've got a little segment as well. Okay, and then we've got a bit of wing of a week at the end as well. Okay, let's talk about, uh, we had Ironman Cosmo happen. Now, John, the no, swim, swim got cancelled. Swim got cancelled. Bit of chop. Come on, people. What was the story? Just a bit, bit of a choppy swim. Yeah, but we, we lost we lost someone earlier this year. So I think we, we lost people to, yeah. regularly. We lost someone in, in New Zealand um, a couple of weeks ago as well. Oh, so, did we? Yeah, at Iron Māori. Oh, um, really? Yeah. I didn't hear that. So, um, yeah, cancelled swim, which is always a shame, especially when you're in like a tropical place. Like if you're in a shithole of swim and it was bloody blowing a gale and it was freezing, you go... Okay, I kind of get it. But when you're on a, like a tropical island and they cancel the swim, I'd be pretty gutted. So the question I have for you, the swim was cancelled. Now, Leon, Leon Chevalier did a, a sub-four bike mm. and he did a 6.42. So if he had done a swim, how fast does he normally swim? He's, he's a slower swimmer, okay. but it's still going to be 55-ish. So it's okay. going to be like a 7.35. Okay. Still. It's a fast course. You know, we saw the Gustav Eden, I think it was, um, couple of years ago and his first Ironman went really fast there you know it's it is a it is a quick course um so yeah no swim and they they said they didn't even do a little duathlon type thing it sounded like they sent them off in 
sort of time trial type starts. Um, and uh, on the boys' side, Leon Chevalier and Sebastian Keenley were spanking it up the front, and then Chevalier got away and just uh, dominated the dojo. Well, no, didn't quite dominate the dojo, but won by ten, nearly 10 minutes, so it yep. was pretty emphatic. Chris Leiferman, uh, Leiferman came through late in the run um, to take... Second, and um, poor old Sebastian Keenlay just got pipped for the podium um, towards the end of the run um, when he ran a 2.50 versus Robert Wilkowicki's 2.39.47, um, and he got beaten by sort of 14 seconds. So sayonara to Sebastian Keenlay, who had the fastest run split because of 2.39 was the slowest. Thomas Rodriguez, he ran a 2.38.14 on the boys' side. Females, Ruth Astle was leading off the bike, DNF'd. Uh, she's had a very injury-plagued season. I wonder, I'm going to click on her name and see if she's actually finished anything this season because she's had a pretty rough ride of it. Um, she's currently ranked 105 in the swim, 22 on the bike, 75 on the run. And so far this season, oh no, she got 12th in Hawaii. She got 5th at uh, 70 point Zalem Say. Uh, she DNF'd the World Long Distance Champs and she got 7th in Grand Canaria. So she's only had three finishes this season and it's a 5th, a 7th and a 12th. Now, Thankfully, Hawaii pays 15 deep now. Do we know how um, on, um, Keenley did in Norseman? Well, they um, he didn't win. And they didn't get to go all the way up the mountain because of weather conditions. Oh, okay. Yeah. On the female side, that side though, um, Garutz Frads Loralde came through with an amazing run. Holy, I wonder if that's, that's got to be right up there in the fastest ever runs. 249.23. Let's look up what the fastest runs are in a moment. Uh, but she crushed it. That's an amazing run split coming off a of 445, beating out Svenja Tholz and Marlene De Boer in third. Angela Neath was one of the first off the bike, if not the first. I think she was just behind Ruth Astle, um, but she faded with a 3.18 to finish. And Ruth Astle didn't place. finish. She didn't. So if I go to uh, tryrating.com, I'm just yep. wondering what is the fastest uh, ever run splits for the females. And she ran a 2.49. I think we've had faster than that, haven't we? I'm pretty sure we have. I think, but no, it's got to be right up there. Yeah, um, it's smoking. Let's, let's not get I'm pretty wrong, sure that um, Kat Matthews did a really good run recently as well. Well, uh, also, when you look at the rest of the field, she was 13 minutes ahead of the second place runner um, and well ahead of everyone else. So, top five runs of all time. Here we go. Oh, no, it was way off. <laughs> so, still a good run split. Uh, Christian Moller ran a 2.41 at Ironman UK in 2011. Chrissy Wellington, and then you got basically four times 2.44s and a 2.45. So Chrissy Wellington, Anne Haug, and Laura Phillip has got a 2.44 and a 2.45. So, okay, I was a bit off there. 2.49 is still a bloody good run split, so well done to Gritz Frald's Loralde. Well, just looking back at Kingley's year and kind of experience, just having fun experiences in sport, in the sport, tell you what, he's done pretty well. He's got third in, in the challenge Wanaka half. I don't know what the field was like. He didn't, didn't, he didn't do that great. There. No, that wasn't a great race for him. Uh, let's have a look. He we had Jack off. Moody and, and uh, Mike Phillips. Hmm. Then he got fourth in top all, uh, fourth in some challenge race. Didn't finish St. Paul, Poulton. Hmm. Uh, won a, a, a Zara Zuku triathlon. Got 14th in Rote and fourth in Cosmo. So, you know. Possible fear. Not as old standards, but uh, but he's got done some good <laughs> promo work. and uh, Yeah, give away a lot of bikes. He does give away a lot of bikes. Yeah, yeah. so good on him. I, li- I like that because it's, it's 
you know, as we were saying a few weeks ago, they just kind of disappear a lot of pros unless they finish on a high note. I, I'm going to have that as a discussion soon, especially through the COVID period, who disappeared. I was just thinking of it yesterday. I was like, remember the Wirtles, Trevor Wirtle and Heather Wirtle? Yeah. It's like, where do these people just disappear to? Didn't they come here? Uh, Was it the Wirtles? No, no, you're thinking of somebody else. But we interviewed her in Roach one year, I think yep. it was. Oh, that's right. And they lived in the camper van. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. No, they're real outback people. Yep. So it was Cosmelt. We had a few 70.3s, one in South Africa. Um, Emma Pallant-Brown took that out. And Javier Gomez finally looks like he might be over his injury issues. And it will be interesting to see how, how he goes in the coming little year because he's certainly getting, getting on a bit. But Is he, he trying for the Olympics? No, no, I think he'll just be doing 70.3s and maybe Ironmans, maybe. Um, he beat out you know, Matt Trotman, who's a good athlete, so he won that one. And then we had a 70.3 Fortaleza, where Ali Salthouse won, and Martin Van Riel as well. And the good old Laguna Phuket triathlon was on last weekend as well. Oh, and man. a couple won that. It was Max Stapley and Kate War, who were a couple. He also won the Mediterranean Epic Triathlon in uh, September. Who's that? Okay, here's a, here's a quiz question for you. When was the last time you did a nightman? <clears throat> well, it was before COVID, so I'm going to say 2018. No. No? 2019, and no. he won it. Yeah. So he did uh, He did 2019. How many did he do? He did quite a few races, and I mentioned he was doing a lot of WOE here. But his last race in 2019, he won Ironman Malaysia. Right. Mm. At a time of 818. So Solid. Yeah. Don't know if he's ever going to. I think he's just a bit old and just not quite a weapon, weapon, weapon in ish. That's not really a word, but not much of a weapon on the bike. In terms well, he's of 40 now. These days. Yeah. So, what are, what are we trying to get out of his last part of his career? Cruising. No. Yeah. He's got a baby now, I think, as well. Because he's married to a Kiwi girl, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Do they live here? Uh, they come here in summer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, big news if you're trying to get your bike transported around the world, don't use this company. <laughs> Oh, this is a shocker. So I, guess I, what's saw happened? This, I saw this on um, Slow Twitch. Uh, it was actually last week, so it's kind of old news. But Tri-Bike Travel, which a lot of Americans and use for transporting their bikes all over the place, um, are really struggling. And, and the company they're using as their freight forwarder is uh, holding a whole bunch of bikes. So this sounds like there's athletes that went to the World uh, Iron World Triathlon Series finale and they haven't got their bikes back yet, and they're just holding all these bikes, it would just rip your jocks. I've heard of things like this happening before, if like bike shops go under and your bike's in there, it's like you're screwed, you're not getting your bike back. Um, so all these people have got their bikes stuck. Good on Iron Man for stepping up. Um, they're helping out in terms of upcoming races. I think it was uh, maybe in Cozumel and Arizona. Um, they're sort of committing to make sure athletes um, get their bikes and get them for race day. Do we know much about the, the product? Well, it's, it's. <laughs> um, I won't be too nasty to Americans, but basically, just like it's a service, you just go take your bike to a bike shop, and it turns up at the race. Yep. Whereas Kiwis just, we, a, we don't have a service like that that I'm aware of. No. But b, every Kiwi just travels with their bikes. Now I know it's different in America because I think you get stung maybe more, and it's economically maybe it's not such a bad thing. Um, but I think Americans just just learn how to pack your bike up, take it on the plane with you. It's a hell of a lot uh, more straightforward, and you've got more certainty that it's going to get there, I think. But having said that, there is all that, always that issue. If you get on the plane and your bike doesn't go with you, then you're kind of chasing it all over the place, or at least with Tri Bike Travel in the past, um, or a similar company, you go, right, I know my bike's going to be there turning 
up for me on time, ready to go. So I get it. It's not cheap. It's not so, cheap. Okay, so for so what they're doing is they so just looking at what they're saying. Um, oh, okay. What they're arguing is you're going to pay 140 bucks to get this assembled, mm-hmm. and then you're going to pay fifty dollars for bike case, mm-hmm. at least. Uh, four hundred dollars for airline fare. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You pay that much to protect your bike now? Yeah. Oh. Who are you talking? Is this what they're charging? Or no, what? no, no. This is what they're saying. Airline, if you did it by yourself, right. what do you pay to take your bike to Hawaii? Don't pay anything? Because like I get an extra bag, it just counts as a bag. Yeah. Granted, probably quite different in America, but for us, it's like. It's and then upgraded rental car is sixty bucks a day because you need to take your bike. Right. Um, that's what they're arguing. Yeah. So they're saying it's seven hundred fifty bucks plus if you want to do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Their fee is three hundred sixty-five. Mm. Which is not bad. Yeah. If you could just because I think the premise is you drop it off at your local bike shop, mm. then you arrive at the race and it's assembled. It's all good to go. Turns out Take there's no money in out. it. Yeah. Or, or they're stuffing up something behind the scenes. I think it's just general freight issues these days. So um hope they come out of this and hopefully um they can get the people's trust back and because uh, yeah, if you don't have your bike turn up at a race, it's a bit of an issue. Or if it doesn't come home afterwards. Mm. Oh, that's less of an issue. It's more if it doesn't turn well, up. Well, true, totally. But it's a lot of money in your bike. Mm. You know, bikes are exp- What are you paying for a bike now? Oh. How long is a piece of string? <laughs> yeah, from- when I started, three to five for a, for a decent bike. Mm. Now you're looking 10, 15, aren't you? Um, you'd be starting, if you wanted to get something reasonable new, you'd be starting at five and then going up to 20. But you need a TT bike now, doesn't you? Uh, yeah, you still get away with one. Most people can get away with one bike, um, unless you're going to go ride lots of mountains and stuff. Well, okay, you get one bike, what are you mm. getting, a TT or a road bike? Um, that would totally depend on what you're racing. You get a something in between, um, but for most triathletes, TT bike. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, well, fingers crossed they can figure it out and you get your bike back if you're so using them right now. If you're now. going into winter and you've used tri-bike travel before or, or a similar sort of company, um, learn how to pack your bike. I had a quick look yesterday. There's lots of clips like um, Tri Radar, no, Bike Radar. There was uh, Global Cycling Network, GCN, all those ones. They've all got really good instructions on do how you, to pack your bike down. Do you have that box down. that I had? Do you, do you, do you give that box to you? Yeah, that's pretty pretty ordinary. Where's that? That's in our club room. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Um, it's not that, especially with the new cases these days, you really don't have to do that much. Uh, and it's not that complicated. TT bikes are a little bit finicky, but... It's really not that hard. Yeah. So there you go. Duh. Coming up, we've got Western Australia Ironman coming up in two weeks. I saw the other day that it's sold out um, for the Ironman in the 70.3, so good on them. Sounds like there's a bit of a bloody heat wave over there. Jeez, I hope it calms down a bit because it's normally warm race, um, but I was speaking to an athlete yesterday and he said like this week it was going to be like 35 to 37 oh, degrees. can you imagine? What's the hottest you've ever raced in? Uh, I've raced in some hot places in Asia, but that's Olympic distance. Um, uh, so Hawaii would be the hottest iron distance race yeah, I've same. done. But uh, and I've raced in Malaysia in um, Kota Kinabalu. That was that was toasty. Like you flicked your swimming cap off in the swim because it was so hot. Really? And like our swimming pool this morning. Geez, that was that was cooler than what we swam in over there. Uh, that was pretty toasty. And a few other races in Asia. What do you find hardest about running, racing in the heat? Just the run, yeah. You just you just, just accumulate. Yeah. You just can't cool down. Swim bike's fine, but oh, it's hot. But um, just the run. Once your head starts exploding, it's and it's just tricky. that accumulative effect of heat, eh? mm. the drainingness that comes with it. 
Mm. We don't really experience that much here. Okay, uh, let's look at the uh, the World Triathlon Series update. What's happened with the short course, John? So yeah, the, the calendar's starting to take shape, and I know a lot of us are, are quite critical of PTO and how slow they are to get their calendar for next year out. You know, there's only been, I think, two races announced so far. There's Ibiza and uh, the Asian Open. Um, no announcement on whatever Collins Cup will be. No, I think that's that's Gonski. That's dead. Do we th- do, okay, is that officially gone? Well, it was gone this year, and there's been no word of it coming back. So I think that's um, more or less done and dusted for the time being, at least. If we saw some change in the world order of uh, country, how, how Europe would perform against the rest of the world, maybe it'd be different. But it's not even worth going there, I don't think. But mm. yeah, the the World Triathlon Series takes shape. Take shape. Always a bit uh, different when you have an Olympic year when everyone's going to be focusing on that. So we'll definitely have some weaker fields. But it's Abu Dhabi, Yokohama, Calgary, Hamburg, Montreal, and the grand finale will be in Malaga quite late in the season. Where's Malaga? Malaga is in Spain. Okay. And that is going to be on the 17th to the 20th of October, which is the weekend before Kona. Um, I wonder if that's going to impact the... Super League much because they're kind of kicking into Super League season about then and um, some athletes will really be trying to focus on that triathlon finale. It's a big World Cup calendar, a lot, of, a lot of World Cup races. We've got a new venue in New Zealand. It's going to be in Napier, normally in Taranaki in New Plymouth. So that's going to be kind of cool. Why the change? Um, I don't know, just needed a change. Did it? And just probably got diff- different council money as well probably. That's, uh, we probably had a big part of it. How much would the council give to something like that? Quite a lot. Like I know what it, I don't know what it, I know what it costs to run, but pff, yeah, it easily be thinking fifty to hundred grand. Oh really? Mm. Uh, but then they'll do the survey saying a hey, the, the the economic impact. We brought in three <laughs> million dollars. Three billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the thing for those of you who watched the Formula One or didn't watch the Formula One at the weekend. Did you watch it? Uh, most a bit, but some quite a bit of it. The rest of the family did, but it cost them half a billion dollars to the race. But they were going to make a billion dollars in revenue the sort of Las Vegas. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, they've got one in uh, Napier. The other one of interest, they're going to have an indoor World Cup in Levin in France. And uh, I, I saw a clip. Indoor World like, as in like one of Mecca's ones? Yeah. Uh, or no, indoor as in on a velodrome, or sort of on a running track with a swimming pool in the middle. So a bit like oh. what we saw in Bordeaux many, many years ago. It's not on a velodrome. They're biking on a, an indoor track. They had a European Cup there with all oh, the wait, French wait, What's races. the difference between a velodrome and an indoor track? Well, indoor, indoor running track. So oh, the bike I, on the running track? Yeah, on the outside lanes. So like lanes. a 400 metre? Yeah. Oh, no, it would be, I'd say, I think those indoor tracks are 250. So it's pretty pretty intense. They had a World Cup race there. Not a World Cup. They had a European Cup race there a couple of years ago. Um, I saw Vincent Louis and there were some good athletes going. Uh, it was just a highlights package, so I didn't really get a feel for what it was like, but they were going party time, like black, you know, pitch black, lights flashing, bands playing. Oh, good it stuff. looked pretty cool. Um, and sprint finishes and all that sort of stuff. So I think, uh, okay. yeah, it should Band be innovative. Awesome. It's on the 30th of March, so athletes probably won't be in the top of their game, but um, be cool to see, see how that pans out. So yeah, World okay. Triathlon Series next year won't be on the highest priority for the athletes given it's Olympics but um, Olympics is going to roll around real quick it seems like we just had the Olympics the other day well it's only three years yeah because of because of COVID yeah. um, that, that, on the Olympic year hmm. does the World Triathlon Series is it a much lesser year you'll get some weaker fields so the grand finale will be that's after the Olympics so that should be pretty good yep but those early races... People are kind of trying to peak at the right moment. Yeah, people will be... There's one round that's in Hamburg, which will be... When's that? Hamburg. 
is 14th of July, which is probably two and a half weeks before the So you Olympics. wouldn't be going balls out this year, would you? you? No, you definitely would go balls out. Oh, you go balls out, out. Okay. But, um, yeah, so I think and there's a mixed relay there as well. Uh, so it might be some of those early season ones. You might go, do I really want to go out to Abu Dhabi in March when I'm trying to build for a peak at the end of July? So they might skip one or two of those, maybe. It's really interesting when you listen to our, our Legends podcast when you hear the people who are around Olympic events and just that, getting that moment, that, that, that peaking at the right moment. Mm. You know, there's been many athletes, probably not so much nowadays, but early on, Few athletes who potentially would have been champions just didn't peak at the right moment, did they? And they often, if you really go and change your season a lot and just focus on the Olympics, it seems to quite often backfire. Yeah. Whereas if you keep things pretty normal, okay, we're going to go for a normal peak, um, then yes, and maybe we won't see weaker fields and people will do what they normally do. And also the way the points system works nowadays, because we don't have the one championship race at the end, Athletes aren't really, particularly in, in Olympic distance, you may you may prove me wrong here, but they're not necessarily conditioned to that one race peak, are they? Uh, yeah, well, there's been some classic failures the last two years with both Alex Yee and Hayden Wilde, who are the two fastest athletes, yeah. and they've had long seasons and haven't quite been able to get it right. Although Alex Yee, to be fair, he got it right when he wanted to get it right, which was at the Paris Test event, yeah. and he just annihilated everybody. Hayden Wilde, to be fair, he crashed there, so it didn't really... Okay. Didn't really um, Works it. Alex G was peaking for that, and then he bombed out at the world finale, and they both did the same last year. So, I think what it shows is those top dogs are top dogs, but when they're not quite on their game, they are beatable. How much? How, so, Alex is the favorite, definitely. By how much? Um, yeah, 30 seconds of a Hayden, maybe okay. 20, 20, no, maybe not 30, but um, yeah, you'd, you'd definitely put your money on him. And then, but the Frenchies, if they act as a as a unit and can get away, they could clean out all the medals. And um, if they shut, if they get away and shut the uh, shut the door, they don't need that much. Like if they've got forty five seconds to a minute, um, and they've got a reasonable sized front group, it could be uh, race over. Interesting times ahead. Okay, I can't mention the females. Yeah, I'm just I'm probably yeah. almost more excited about the females because. Uh, it's a bit more skittishy that field with um, Taylor Nib if she just TTs off the front and your Cassandra Bogrand's your your home favourite. So I think the females' race is wide open because and also you don't know if Flora Duffy's going to be back or um, George Taylor Brown. So women's race should be wicked. Okay, uh, this week's discussion we were talking about who would be the best past pro athletes to be in the commentary booth for the races that we're watching. Didn't get a huge amount of feedback on this, but John Weir did say. Uh, there's got to be an entertaining Aussie, right? Yes. Yeah, agree. Aussies are great. And knowledgeable, not just entertaining. I just think the Aussies are just fantastic commentators. Yeah, they really are. Toby Schnell says uh, Frodo and Sebastian Keenlay for the boys and Rinny and Nib for the females. Oh, good old Scott Horn agrees on the boys. Scott Fredino and CB. And then he's got Heather Jackson and Natasha Batman. Uh, Frank Picorni says Sebastian Keenlay and Michelle Vesterby. And then uh, Tim O'Donnell and Rinny. Uh, Hua Chin's got CB and Skipper. And then Sarah True and Chrissy Wellington. She doesn't really do much in the sport now, does she? No, no. She, I don't know how many kids she's got, um, but she comes back. Little yeah, no, occasionally, but she's not hugely involved. And, and Chrissy Wellington was an amazing athlete, but because she was around for such a short time and wasn't really a, a scholar of the sport, yeah. Don't know if she'd have the great, greatest insight. Lovely person. I think she's fantastic. She was a great speaker. Yeah. But she was speaker. more of an inspirational speaker, wasn't she? Mm. Like when she spoke, she kind of had that aura. If you compared her to, say, Miranda Carfrey, who's been in the sport for Ever. 
25 years, yep. um, really different. Daniel Phillips said Frodo would be a common pick, but he, uh, he is a student of the sport with more experience than almost anyone. Plus, he was pretty vocal on Ironman's World Championship strategy less than 24 hours after he retired. Taylor Nibb is the most enjoyable and infectious enthusiastic personality on the scene right now. Good old Brian. Brian, old double Brian's got Alistair Brownlee has done a great job when he's on the Super League and the Sub-7. Uh, I think Josh Amberger would be entertaining. Gustav too. Taylor Nib and Fenella Langridge. All the athletes are pretty decent experts with great insight to offer. I think the game changer is having a natural charisma and the ability to keep things entertaining. Vicky Jones, I'd like to see Joe Skipper and Alistair Brownlee and Cat Matthews and Sarah Crowley. Commentary is far better when the commentators are knowledgeable about the athletes, love the sport and are prepared to give an opinion and be controversial. Controversial. Taylor Nib was superb. Love to hear more from her too. Pedro Achu, Acha um, has got Laura Sedell, Sarah True and CB uh, for insight and entertainment. Joe Skipper purely for entertainment and winding people up. Last one I'll do, Mick Simpson says Sam Laidlow and Rudy Von Berg. <laughs> so those two have, uh, are probably not besties. Uh, the boring bit of the race, one would put the other one through the Spanish announcer's table. Good old Clive Aspen's got um, Brownlee, Molina, Rennie and Baker. Mm. That's nice, a bit, of, a bit more of the older school there. Yeah. John, your thoughts? Um, so... What happened to Callum Hellwood, mate? Um, Callum Hellwood, they've still got cupcakes with... Um, they still do it, do they? Well, they, still, they don't do their... Where, where they became famous was doing these little Kiwi piss take video clips and they didn't actually do that many. He's done amazingly to, out of, I don't know, maybe 10 little clips they did yep. um, years ago. I mean, because Tom Davison, a guy I used to coach, was in them it'd be at least 10 years ago, at least, if not more. Yep. Um, and they just kind of built from that. But they, they've still got a, um, they've got a, a racing team, Cupcakes okay. Cupcake Cartel. Um, yeah, still pretty popular. So, um, look, the main thing... I want is not somebody who's who's not going to just going to be nice, and that's what frustrates me when you say, "Oh, they're looking really good and doing a great job, such a good athlete," so on, so on. Um, I don't want somebody to be nasty, but I want someone to give me that expert insight, make the tough calls, and know what the athletes are up to. Uh, and so, a couple of females that I've listened to, they've done a really good job. Alicia Kay, she did some of the clash races um, I thought she was really good she was often out on the, on the motorbike and she's a former pro athlete herself Vicky Holland and Emma Snowsall I reckon have been um, good sometimes they can be a little bit too nice um, but they've they've spoken really well on the boys side I think Brownlee is gold um, he just he just speaks it as it is like yeah. if, if someone's you know, swimming along on the other person's hip he's going that is really not the best place to be He's slowing that person down. He's annoying that person. He should just be moving around the back. That's the sort of comments I want to know. Or if you're watching, you know, a full lineup of athletes, to explain, you know, instead of saying, "Oh, they're looking really good," and start talking about their history, it's like, okay, this person's sitting there. If he looks up, he's going to see ten guys in front of him. He's going to know that if he pulls out there, he's going to have to do a five-minute effort at X, Y, Z watts to get to the front. So strategically, he's probably doing the right or the wrong thing at this time. Um, so I think Brownlee's been really, really good at that. Um, the little bits I've heard of Sebastian Keenlay have been have been good as well, and he's in a similar vein to to Brownlee. Like if if the sort of the lead commentator asks him a, a leading question. They're not just going to go, oh, yeah, definitely, which is you know, a common yeah. answer. They're going to go, oh, 
No, I don't think so. Yeah. I think they're actually going to do this. They're going to push back. Um, so I think those guys have been really good at that. And the other one that I'd, I'd be interested to see would be James Carnema, who we interviewed not that long ago. And he's now one of the guys on the GTN, which is a global triathlon network. Um, and he does some, yeah, they do all sorts of things on there. And he was, I think he gave us, when we interviewed him, some really good opinions around, you know, what was going to happen with the, the world champs with Nice and Kona. So, um those would be my picks. What about Mecca? Um, Mecca's, yeah. Mecca's pretty good. I, like, I know in Super League he's a little bit less because he kind of runs the organisation, mm. but he's pretty yep. insightful. Yep, yeah, he's good. And he's good at showing the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Mecca's pretty great. Mm. You know, like I know Mecca's, you know, so he got um, inducted into the Australian Triathlon Hall of Fame. Oh, right. Mm. Nice. Mm. Yep. Now, I think we forget with some of these guys like him. Like he was an amazing athlete across all distances uh, at lots of different Who's races. Macca, oh yeah, you know, he was a world champion at short course. wasn't the most consistent athlete, but he was, you know, on his day, he was the best in the world. Yeah, um, won two Ironman world won, championships, and he won lots of races outside of Kona as well in yep. terms of road, road. Ironman Australia, Germany. Did he win Germany? Probably. Yeah. yeah. So no, he, he's good. And you know, he was he was kind of the he was probably the first of his generation was the only guy who spoke out. Yeah, it was very it was very timid at that time, wasn't it? Mm. Yep. yep, yep. And Iron Man, at least. Like, yep. who, who else was there? Yeah, no, yeah, but he he sort of came in and Simon Lessing broke a lot of the the German sort of dominance around that sort of period. Yep. So we had a lot of Germans um, during that period. Yeah. But he was also cheeky. Mm. You know, he laid it on a plate, didn't he? Mm. Like it was, you know, you, people, you know, he rubbed people the wrong way. But I loved him. I thought he was great for the sport, mm. and he was always and he, and the thing about Macker and you love him or hate him, but mm. he loves the sport. Mm. He loves, look at what he's done since he's retired. Mm. You know, like a lot of guys just go into coaching. Well, he's actually made a league. Nothing wrong with coaching, Bevan. No, no, no. no <laughs> but, but a lot of pro athletes, they, yeah. you know, Mac has actually created mm. a, a legacy, like a, a more than just, you know, now it wouldn't last long term, who knows? But, mm. you know, he's done pretty important work. Okay, this week's discussion. Uh, what are the biggest ripoffs? I'm just going to leave the ripoffs. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Oh, I was yep. trying to go negative and positive. Nah, the ripoff, like sending your bike through his company. <laughs> um, what has been the biggest ripoff you have experienced in triathlon? Yes. I reckon John Newsom might say going to Kona. Now I would. Yeah, but what, I wouldn't get ripped off because I wouldn't pay it. Yeah. <laughs> so what were you saying it was going to cost next year? Uh, I think it's probably 1500 US because it was 2600 New Zealand. So I'm, I'm guessing it was 1500 Just US. Just entry. Yeah. Okay, John's quiz question. What was the top three bike count from Kona this year? Brand of bikes. Brands of bikes. Hmm. I had no idea nowadays. No, but we'll I wasn't going to quiz you on that. No. Uh, so what is the top three bike count from Kona this year? We'll come back with the answers later on. It's going to pros of the week. week. Okay, we've got two pros. We've got, uh, first of all, we've got Alice Alberts, uh, she's currently got 73, 75.3 points in the PTO rankings. She's from the United States. She is 32 years old. Uh, generally speaking, a kind of mid-range to back of the pack kind of athlete, but well, well, this well year. based on her rankings at least. <laughs> yeah. you know, The reason I wanted to look at these two this week, so we've got Alice Alberts and Matt Trotman, is they're both ranked 50th in the PTO rankings, and that's the last paying position for the end-of-year bonus, which will be coming oh, up. Okay. There's still a couple of races, but, you know, so 50th gets you $5,000 US in the end of year bonus and we'll, we'll have a look at who's winning the big bucks uh, in the next couple of weeks but I don't think we'll see any movement around the top 10 given that the only real race is going to be uh, maybe we've got Arizona, 
in Western Australia, but it's probably not going to shake things up too much. Okay, so Alice has actually had a really great year. So based on PTO rankings, her first year was last year, uh, and she did 11th at Lake Placid and Arizona for a fifth. But this year, she got sixth at Ironman Texas, which is Texas is a good field, isn't it? Because it's a championship race. Mm -hmm. And then she got first at Ironman Lake Placid, and then she got first in Maryland again, and then got fifth in Ironman Florida. So lots of racing, lots of four Ironman in here. Four Ironmans. And so I think it's interesting to compare her results. So she's had two Ironman wins and a fifth and a sixth um, to get her her ranking of of, uh, her average points is 78. 5.3 5.3 um, so, and then if we compare to Matt Trotman who raced at the weekend as well he did a 70.3 Muscle Bay in South Africa his point scoring he's got more points to start with 79.11 but his placings have been a lot further down so he did the World Long Distance Champs that was his highest point scoring race Challenge Vansbro and the 70.3 World Championships um, and at those races uh, he won the Challenge race but then he was third at the World Long Distance Champs and he was only 21st at the 70.3 World Champs so you compare that you have two wins and a, and a what a fourth or fifth for Alice and she's ranked 50th um, so one big races whereas um, Matt has chosen to go on to go to harder races and got his points because of the way that it's structured if you do high prize money races with strong fields, then you're going to get a lot more points. Um, you got yeah, the third. But, but third. arguably, like now he's done a lot more racing, so you can't really compare. But he wouldn't have got any money for the seventy point three world championships. No, no, you know. So arguably, she like. So if we look at her results, she got what did she get? She got two firsts and two top tens, basically, wasn't it? So a uh, fifth, a sixth, and two firsts. So she, in theory, would have got paydays in all races. And in theory. You would say, if I'm a potential sponsor, I'm going to sponsor someone who's going to win two Ironman races as opposed to somebody who has only won one challenge race and finished third at the World Long Distance Champs. But that was held at the same time as the PTO PTO race. So not taking anything away from that performance, um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Interesting to know, really, because he's he's basically, he's got five, six finishes for the year. Well, six paydays. Um, if you take away the two worst paydays, who got more money in the year? Mm. Her or him? We'll ask, ask Torsten that question. It's mm, a good question. In terms of prize money, yeah, I think is it, she is will it? have done. And he also got no money, no points for Ironman 70.3 in Mossel Bay. Uh, that might not have been updated yet because okay. it was at the weekend. Okay. So there you go. Those are our 50th ranked athletes. You've got Alice Alberts from the state and States and Matt Trotman from South Africa. And... Yeah, he's still going good. He's 38 years old, 73 kgs, 1 meter 80, and he finished second to Javier Gomez at the weekend. So those are our pros of the week. Okay, Jumbo, let's go into Coach's Corner. Corner, brought to you by Chat GPT. GPT, GPT. I don't know. Let's have a look. Chat GPT, isn't it? Do you use it much? Uh, occasionally. It's fantastic. Uh, the things that I've used GPT. It for, GPT. Yeah. What does that stand for? Um, Something. Yeah, so I use it for a couple of things. If I was still doing some study... I'll log in and I'll ask be, it. What a chat to you, I'll ask it. It'd be a great, it's a great starting point. I did my son's CV on it the other day and just tweaked it a little bit. Uh, so no, it's great. I was speaking to a school teacher and she was saying, um, she'd just go, write my lesson plan. <laughs> she said it was bloody genius. It's, um, and so I thought, what's chat GBT going to say if I say to it, how can I become a faster Ironman athlete? Okay, now, one second. And what it's come out with is common sense stuff, 
But when you just take a step back and go, am I doing the basics right? You know, I'm looking at getting my, you know, going and getting lactate testing and I'm going to get an aura ring and I'm going to go and measure my CDA and I'm going to go and get this and that and the other thing. But am I doing the basics right? So this, it, that's what it comes out with. Okay, wait, wait. So two things. Chat GPT stands for Chat Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. Right. So you learn something every day. <laughs> learn something. It doesn't mean much yeah, to It's a type of artificial intelligent language model developed by OpenAI. If you haven't used it before, it's free. You just go in there and you just ask it a question and it will just spit out like a big bloody answer for you. Who's, um, who's, who owns Purple Patch? What's this guy? Matt Dixon. Okay, Dixon. D-I-C-K. So first thing it tells you to do is consistent training. Hmm. Seems simple. Does everybody do that? Not really. So establish a consistent training routine. Regular workouts, even if they are moderate intensity, can lead to gradual improvements. Number two, and this is a really good one, focus on your weaknesses. Identify your weakness, swim, bike or run, and allocate more training time to it. Improvement on your weak, weakest area can have a significant impact on your overall performance. I, I, I was, it was interesting because I was going to do I was going to do a bit of a Bevan's Corner on this subject because I think <clears throat> if you self-assessed hmm. as an athlete and you said there's five components, whatever components, what's the one you're spending less time? Because I think what a lot of people do is they do the thing they like the most. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, but is that the biggest impact? Not usually. So if we think, okay, your swim's your weakest leg, if I put huge time into it, am I going to get my best bang for my buck? And that might be something you do in the off-season, um, but probably not in the in-season. But yeah, definitely, for you guys that are in the Northern Hemisphere that are coming off your season, that's like the number one question. Having an off, The off, whole word off-season annoys me. It's like, you don't, you don't need a big off-season for, for most people. You might dial things down and become less intense, but... Yeah, the winter is a fantastic time to focus on your weaknesses. Have a bit of a think about that if you want to get faster next season. And I also think that there should be time each week as well. Like I get it with big block stuff, mm. but it's like, is, is your weakness bad mental prep? Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah, like, think outside the box. A bit. Yeah, totally. Like it's sure we can say it's, it's maybe your swim stroke or something like that. Yeah. yeah, but it's like a lot of there's a lot of factors that make you a good triathlete. Like I was, I, I, I'm, I'm doing a course for my runners, kind of an online course for my runners, and it's like the components of success. Mm-hmm. You know, what are all the like? If you're going to have an amazing half marathon, oh, say, do you want to save that for a second? Okay, maybe I'll we'll save that for a save that. Okay, I'll save that. Okay. <laughs> write, write yourself a, a to do list. Okay, there we go. Uh, next one efficient technique. Work on refining your technique in all three disciplines. Efficient swimming, cycling, and running can save energy and improve speed. Okay, so, next one. Oh, sorry. I'll, 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 maybe we'll give, we'll give like one tip or something for each of these. There we go. Because so, we're better than GPT. Yeah, is just go get yourself videoed uh, in oh. each, three, each three discipline. Um, Front, for, for, for swimming, front on, side on, cycling, you need to be on the trainer and just different positions. And then on the, the run, Actually, front on, side on. You better get someone to drive. Um, on the, I get it's more technically. Because theory, on yes. the training, your bike's not moving. Yeah, in theory, yes. Yeah. yeah. Tell you what, it doesn't lie. It the does not lie. The best thing you can do is film yourself. Mm. You know, yeah. It's so easy these days. Oh, it's so easy. Interval training. Incorporate interval training into your routine. Short bursts of high intensity efforts followed by periods of rest or lower intensity can boost your speed and cardiovascular fitness. Now, I imagine most of our athletes are good at this, but... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of people in endurance sport who just get out the door, same tempo, mm. same speed the whole mm-hmm. time. Like, people join our running group and they get massive PBs. Mm. And these are people mm. who have ran... 
but they're just around proper training and they don't mm. do any interval work. They don't know, you know, if it work. Mm. And it makes a massive difference to your results. Absolutely does. Yeah. Next one, brick workouts. Practice brick workouts which involve back-to-back sessions of two disciplines, typically bike and run. This helps your body to transition and improve overall race performance. So yes, you need to be doing bike runs. How often? Twi- twice a week. Oh, uh, really? I'd say, well, one good one probably at your weekend where you're yep, going to have a good run off the bike and then ideally having another one during the week as well. However, what um, one tip here is don't ignore doing the swim to bike. You know, if you're going to go and do a swim bike run type session, if you've got a lake you swim at or the sea, try to make that first transition like choppy and just get out of the swim. Don't let your heart rate drop. Get straight on your bike and get going. Don't need to do that super regularly, but it's an important skill to practice. Nutrition and hydration. Ensure you have proper nutrition and hydration strategy. Even slight improvements in fueling during training and racing can positively impact your performance. Yeah. That's no-brainer. All of these are kind of no-brainers. Yeah. Just get the basics right. Adequate recovery. Prioritize recovery. Give your body enough time to recover between intense workouts to prevent burnout and reduce risk of injury. So spread your workouts through the week. Maybe like typically I'll go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday for, for the intensity and make sure the other days are not so full on. I also think, like, like I think of my day as energy management, mm-hmm. you know, and so when you think of recovery, like, like I'm lucky enough I live an autonomous life so I can do what I want when I want to do it, but that includes my, my meditation. Mm-hmm. Like, if I do that, I function better, I'm going to be better prepared mentally when I come for my racing. So as you look at it at a 24-hour period, where, where are you going to be using your energy and when do you recharge with energy, with recovery strategies and nutrition okay uh adequate recovery is i I needed that one uh set realistic goals uh set achievable short-term and long-term goals and meet smaller milestones you can meeting smaller milestones can provide motivation and a sense of accomplishment yep like that realistic goals have a look at your race results have a look at your test performances and set your your objectives and goals based off that yeah and if they're a bit slower that's okay like i've myself and a bunch of athletes that i coach at the moment they're not in their peak condition they've got races coming up and it's like you're not going to do a pb and i'm not being nasty about that or anything i'm I'm in the same boat as well your job is to set a realistic goal based on what we see in training a little bit of leeway either side of that um but the training usually doesn't lie and if you're someone who can run at your best you run a three-hour marathon but you just haven't done the training and you know a 315 is probably best case scenario, then if you can do that, you come away satisfied. Yep. Next one, simplify your approach. Focus on the basics and avoid getting overwhelmed with complex training plans. Consistency and simplicity can be effective, especially for the beginners. Okay. Hallelujah. Huh? <laughs> That's all I've got on that one. <laughs> uh, uh, lastly, listen to your body. Pay attention to your body's signals. If you're fatigued or feeling unwell, it's just okay. It's okay to adjust your training schedule and to take an extra rest day. I'm going to take that one to task a little bit to listen to your body. You do need to get into a fatigue state. Um, And if you're going to take an easy day whenever you're a bit tired, oh, I don't feel so great today, then you're probably not going to improve at the rate. So yes, you need to listen to your body to an extent. If you have more than a couple of sessions that are a bit dodgy, then you back off. But if you're going to go out there and just going, yeah, I'm not really feeling it today, I'm just going to ease off, you know, it's it always for me comes back to that bell curve. You've just got to be really careful of those um, extremes. But a lot of your sessions are going to be, you know, average, a little bit below average, a little bit above average. So, yeah, just got to be really smart on that one. If you're sick, totally different story. But if you're just a bit tired, often you just got to suck it up and get on with it. Okay, so I went to chat GPT. 
GPT. Yep, GPT. Yep, 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 place. And I heard in it, I heard in it, I was listening to a triathlon, oh, sorry, a, a, um, a tech podcast this morning, actually this morning, and one of the guys was saying how he uses it, and he said what he does, he says, you say source, protocol, target. So the source is you are. So you mm-hmm. are a teacher, you are Matt Dixon. Mm-hmm. Then you say, explain this to me. So explain the three steps to this, and you can also say, so who am I? So explain this to me as a five, fifth grader mm-hmm. or as a beginner triathlete. So I just put in, uh, you are Matt Dixon. Write me an Ironman triathlon program that will make me faster with power advice for the training. And it's written me a program. <laughs> uh, so yeah, for, for the first four weeks I'm doing it's it doesn't give me real detail. It's not saying do six by five minutes. Oh, at no, it's on the bike. On the bike it is. No, yeah. if I maybe if I said also write out all my swim sessions. So for example, Monday I'm doing ninety minutes of bike at moderate pace with three times five power intervals at seventy five percent of my functional threshold power. Mm-hmm. Uh, two hours. No, so it is doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What about long bike? Uh, some short bursts. Yeah, so yep. No, so it'd be interesting to see if you, if someone like you who writes mm. a lot of programs, mm. um, how critical you'd be of the programs they're writing. Yeah. Yeah. So, very good. And now onto a proper coach's corner. Coaches! Coaches! Corner. corner. And talking about th- functional threshold power. We did a team, I didn't do a team time trial. We did a, a 20 minute FTP test last week at our little uh, session on Thursday morning. I mean, last morning. What a group of people. Last group of us are in there and said right team we're doing a 20 minute time trial <laughs> <laughs> i did forewarn most of them yeah and um, then excuses they oh mate oh, yeah. you know yeah. oh, oh i can't do it today and it is tricky because it is six we, we start just before 6 a.m so you kind of got to be how much of a warm-up do you give them uh we have a long warm-up and a, and a ftp test it's about a 30 minute warm-up yep. and i generally suggest an extra 10 minutes before that and what are you doing what are you doing in your warm-up uh it's pretty intense or well, no it's it's basically you have a, a it varies a bit, but you would generally have a ramp sort of just to sort of ease into it for maybe 10 minutes and then maybe um, a few one-minute sort of high-cadence type efforts, yep. but not overly hard, maybe about 80%. But then the main part of the warm-up is to do five minutes at um, FTP, so at your sort of one-hour time trial effort, and that's pretty hard. And then uh, five minutes easy, and then you're into it. So it's around about 30 minutes. But on pretty much any platform, you'll be able to find a protocol to follow, and they're all relatively much of a muchness and then you go into then you have a little break or we have a wee break or just go and fill up bottles and then boom into your 20 minute time trial and um i just think they're fantastic and i know i will have done segments on this before but i think it's worth revisiting so because it's really hard to execute a good 20 minute time trial to give you a couple of examples i've got a guy who's very much a um back of the packer um and he did his first one the other day and just made a Pigs meal of it. Oh, really? And just didn't just didn't know how to how to attack it. So it gave him some numbers to follow, but he had people in the room who were giving him different bits of advice. Was this like, when you're doing it in the group? No, he, he was he was uh, overseas. Okay, and uh, he came away with it with a, a lower number than what we'd expected. But when you look at it, his heart rate was too low, and he just didn't for a bunch of reasons didn't put in his best effort. Another example is someone who's who did, did one with us last week, came out with an amazing result at the end. But he it almost became a bit of a ramp test. So he, he sort of started probably a bit easy. Yep. And then he was coming home at the end with like 340 watts for the last couple of minutes and stuff, just crushing it. Um, rather than generally what we're doing is we're trying to look for an even effort. Yeah. But when you don't know your limits, you kind yeah, of just go, yeah. mm, I don't really want to You've got to do a few to know the game, don't you? So I, I generally say to people, it takes about three to four 
before you can actually go, yeah, I know how to tackle this and I really know how to nail it. So um, if you're going to go and try one of these yourself, make sure that you have a couple of easy days beforehand if you want to get a, a realistic indication of, uh, of what your limits are at. And then when you're doing your post-analysis, um, use your heart rate to have a look at if you really felt that you emptied the tank. So to give you an example, when... Um, I did my one last week, I averaged 167 beats per minute, across, no, the maximum I hit was 167 beats per minute. That's zone 5 for you, isn't it? That'd be so, zone 5? Uh, yeah, yeah, but in, in for TT you're kind of looking at 5 to 6, depending yeah. on what scale you're at, like if I'm working on a, a 7 scale, yeah. um, <clears throat> you're sort of looking at you know getting into VO2 max range, yeah. so for me I hit 167, and, and when you do these you you generally want to look at your peak value rather than your average because you're starting really low and it's only a, a, a relatively short test. So you still look at your average and compare it to previous ones, but the main number you're kind of generally looking for is your max. And what was your max? So 167 was the max oh, that okay. I got max. there. Okay. Um, and when I do an Ironman, I'm at about 130 to 135 beats per minute. But what I'm looking for is, is mainly to go back and look at historical numbers. So I should really, if I'm really cranking it, I should be in the sort of getting into the one round 170. I looked back in 2014, granted I was 10 years younger and was able to push a bit harder and and was doing more intense workouts, I was getting into the mid-170s. So, um, What's the max you're seeing nowadays? Uh... Just I'm a bit of a softy these days, Bevan. Don't really go to the limit too much. But yeah, to if, if I get to the mid mid one seventies, that's uh, that's pretty extreme, and you might find me on the pavement pretty shortly after. Yeah. Um, and then also look at what your short course results are. So some people really suck and take a while to get in hard indoor training. So you know what I'd be doing? I'd be going looking at my my sprint distance triathlon and say, right, I know when I do the bike there, I can get myself up to whatever, 155, when I did this TT inside, I thought I was putting in a good effort, but I only got to like 150. So it clearly shows that you've still got a bit of room to move in terms of learning how to push yourself really hard when you're inside. A few other tips, get some company if you can. You, I reckon that will give you a good 10 watts um, if you have some company versus doing it by yourself for a lot of people. Not everyone, but for a lot of people, I reckon you get, you get a good 10 watts. Even if it's one other person, it's just so much more motivating when you know there's somebody else there just crushing it with you. Have a playlist. Re- oh, I haven't got my phone today, Bevan. Oh, I meant what, to do that. Where your phone? I don't know. I, I left home. And I thought, I haven't got my phone. Oh, it's a liberating feeling when you haven't got your phone. <laughs> you so I'm not going back to get it. I don't need it. Well, I'm just going to Bevan's. I'm going, I'm going to go do some a little bit of a bike afterwards. I don't need my phone. And what did you want your phone for? Well, I was going to give my example of my playlist. Oh. Was, uh, I suppose I can probably go on to Spotify. What's, the, what's your playlist called? I'll go look at my Spotify. Um, okay, it's uh, F- FTP intervals. I'll do it next week. Okay. I'll, I'll give you my Spotify FTP intervals uh, playlist. But have a really good playlist, read a rumble that you like. Not everyone's going to love my playlist, but um, it's it's a good pumping one. Uh, and then you break it into five-minute segments. So have a plan for each five-minute segment so you're not starting too fast um, or too fast or too hard, and you've got a little bit of a plan based off what you've seen in your, in your training. So... Um, yeah, break it into five five minute segments. Try to stay in the moment. Twenty minutes is not that long, but when you're starting hard and you're putting in a sustained effort, it is a long way. So all I'm thinking about when I start first five minutes, just got to get to that five minute mark. Don't worry about the rest; that'll take care of itself. But just think, fight, get to five minutes, get to ten minutes, get to fifteen. Um, stay positive seems pretty um, 
natural, but it is pretty easy to get down on yourself a little bit, but just constantly stay positive and keep your cadence where you want it to be. Often when people do TTs, their normal cadence might be somewhere in the range of 80 to 95, anywhere in that range. When they do these TTs, automatically they'll just crunch it into a big gear and maybe end up with a cadence of 70 or something like that because they feel like they're really pushing hard. You want your cadence to be in your sort of normal range. And then the key segments that I really, really focus on is the 10 to 15 minute mark. Um, that's when you really want to push it, um, getting close to your limit. And when you get to that 15 minute mark, all you want to be thinking about is one minute reps, time after time, just going, okay, I've got to five minutes, I've got to 10 minutes, I've got to 15, then all I'm thinking about is getting to 16, then all I'm thinking about is getting to 17. Just break it into one minute um, intervals. And a tip that I often use for the guys in our little class is when you're getting into that last five minutes, if you feel like you've got a bit more in the tank, try changing into one gear harder and trying to maintain your cadence. That'll automatically give you a boost in, in watts whilst maintaining your cadence. Um, and once you've done your TT, take a look at your um, past race results and see how it stacks up. So to give you an example, my FTP and when I did rote earlier this year was probably about 315. I was aiming to ride uh, 235 watts, which is about 74 0.6% to be exact. Um, half Ironman efforts about 85% of FTP and short course is sort of 90 to 100% of FTP. Um, key points when you're looking at those or hear those numbers so, um, is you need to adjust for the speed of your athlete. If you're a slower athlete, you might be more like 70% of your FTP for, for Ironman um, versus the faster ones are sort of 75. Adjust for your race strategy. If you're not going out there to push the limits then dial those numbers down a bit adjust for weather so if it's stinking hot you just need to chop a few percentage off as well um, but the main thing is to have some limits for early early in the bike ride um, rather than necessarily having targets and heart rate is crucially important as well um, what else did I want to say about this how often should you be doing it um, well I'm sort of going to go into a phase now of doing bit of FTP work for the next couple of months and I'll probably look to do one once every four weeks and that'd be similar if I was coaching somebody over the winter months and say they were going to go right I want to do a, a three to four months focus on my cycling and I want to try to improve my FTP I'll be doing them every four, fourth week and that would be in an easier week so three weeks of consistent good training and then the fourth week you'd have low intensity work and then maybe on the Saturday you'd go and do, do a TT so you're relatively rested and uh, can go and crush it and um, you'd hope to see sort of a linear progression across the say that four month period but it might be um, linear from start to finish but you might have a little couple of bumps in the road you've really got to be up for it you know um, I wouldn't say I'd be obsessing for days before this but for a couple of days before this I'll be starting to think about my plan starting to get fired up for it so in the morning you turn up and you're pretty pumped for it one thing that I really do work on when I'm going through which is a little bit weird and I've got no scientific backing of this is I really open my eyes up really wide when I'm just trying if I'm sort of fading a little bit I really open my eyes up as wide as possible and just find that that really gives me a little bit of a boost do you do the um, it, you, it, I, I did a segment on the third person voice eh? yeah and I remember um, I think I probably commented I remember Katie Zaveras does that before races. She writes sort of a story of Katie's going to do mm. this, Katie's going to do this. Yeah, so yeah. The, the, the premise is, uh, the, the, the technique I use is commentator's voice. So first is being aware that I need it. 
Second mm-hmm. is putting the commentator in a situation. Third is seeing the problem they're facing or that I'm facing in this moment. Mm-hmm. Fourth is what strategies are, will help me overcome this problem. And then fifth is apply the strategies. So um, I use that a lot in intense exercise now. Mm. And I find it's a really powerful tool mm. because there's something about just taking yourself out of yourself and looking upon yourself saying, okay, the, you know, and um, so, you know, for those who are doing FTP tests, that's in the book Chatter by Ethan Cross is the book that really introduced the concept to me and I love it. It's, it's, it's a tool that's probably the most powerful tool I've added to my life in the last couple of years. Um, but particularly when I'm doing really intense, when you're in that place where you traditionally talk yourself out of it, mm. going to the commentator's voice is really powerful. And the more you practice it, you got one of the things I love about doing these types of tests, it puts you in that uncomfortable position. As Bev been said, you know, whatever method you use, if it's coming in from the third person, the more often you do this, the better you are going to be when that happens in a race. So it's, it's almost invariably going to happen at some stage, especially in an iron distance race. You're going to have that chatter telling you to slow down or or whatever negative thoughts are coming into your head. You can't. It's really difficult to stay focused for eight to 16 hours so the more you practice this the better you're going to get it so encourage you guys instead of just having a holiday over your off season for those of you that are going into the off season put yourself in some uncomfortable positions whether it be a 20 minute time trial here whether it be going and doing 10k running races um, whether it be going right every month I'm going to do a 1k time trial in the pool and uh, yeah you're looking for performance gains but if you can get mental gains out of it then yeah. you're, you're onto a winner. I do have a question for you. You said that you want to improve your FTP training over the next period of time. How does it change the way you train? Um, it means I take the pressure off with my running and I just sort of tick over with running, tick over with my swimming. And the reason I'm doing it is I'm going to be trying to, well, I am doing the Optiverse Triathlon next year. And if we go back to good old chat GBT in terms of P- uh, GP. chat GPT, yeah. it's like focusing on your weaknesses. And my weakness for Alpdues Triathlon is going to be the bike. And so the stronger I can be the swim, if I put lots of effort in the swim, yeah, I'll improve a bit, likewise on the run. But for me, if I want to have a the best performance I can with the fitness that I've got at the time, is it's all about the bike. And so I'm effectively going into... Uh, my kind of off season because I'm preparing for a Northern Hemisphere race, um, so that's what I'm working on. Okay, but go but back off. Even the to a, a deeper level, in the training on the bike, what's different about you? What you'll be doing? Um, and, oh, I guess I'm, I'm just going back to doing some intensity. I don't know um, if that's what you're kind of meaning. Like I'm going to have two hard sessions per week, so it'll probably be Thursday and Saturday yep. with a bit of harder stuff on Tuesday, and I wouldn't generally be doing that sort of if I was doing Ironman-type training. So okay. they'll be high-intensity, anywhere from 2 to 15 minutes, um, and basically be, I don't know yet if I'm going to build up to doing a one-hour time trial or not, but it'll be um, your benchmark. And just having that focus gives me purpose. At the moment, I'm just ticking over with general general training which I'm fine with but it's sort of doing you know something every day whereas I need something to be um, getting my teeth into and something I can measure as well do you um, I had a question there but it just totally went out of my head can't have been that good no, it might have been life changing it might have been the question that changed your whole life might have gone pro again no, I can't actually remember. Okay, there you go. So there we go. So if you want to improve your functional threshold, make sure you do the work, make sure you do training, and also make sure you do the work after. Oh, no, have you done an hour? I've done a couple of one-hour TTs, and just yeah. one of the only times I've ever used music, because I know music's powerful, and I love it, 
but when I'm on the road, I'd rather be safe and alive. Yep. Uh, but where I went and did it, it was a really quiet road. Um, so yes, I've done a couple of one-hour TTs, and they they went pretty well. What's harder, twenty hour? Because um, you're not going as hard in the, tw- in the hour, are you? Yeah, I'd probably say, yeah, probably. If I did the hour on a trainer, that would be harder. I just think I struggle to probably get to that same level on the road because you've just got that that tiny little thing. I don't want to fall off my bike. Yeah. Whereas when you're on the trainer, you can go to the limit. You can be pumping. If your body's moving all over the place, it's, it's all right. Whereas on the road, there's probably just that little bit of caution in the last five to ten minutes where you're probably not quite getting to the same limit that you are. Yeah. The hour test was great. I get it. It's got a wanger of the week. the week. Now, John, I've actually already done it. Okay. Uh, Bonnie Cruz is yeah, going to be probably, our winger. I think she's like 13 to 14. Am I right? Well, I probably know Bonnie because that's probably, uh, if it's Bonnie, where is she? Uh, got a, uh, last week, uh, she was probably at 15th, I think. Something like that. So Bonnie is probably, if it is Bonnie, wherever she is on that list, it's probably Bonnie who was swimming this morning and she's doing the Oxman. Bonnie, 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 Bonnie Cruz. Let's have a look if it is Bonnie. Now, which number was she? Because I went out of She's it. 46. I think it's 46, okay. Yes, it is Bonnie Cruz. It's not actually her surname. Oh. Bonnie's lovely. Okay, why, why is she lying about her surname then? Well, she doesn't want people stalking her on bloody, on Strava. Uh. Did you see somebody got killed the other day? No. Um, somebody, I don't know if they were stalking them on Strava or not, um, but it was a, a female... Uh, pro cyclist yeah somebody stalked her and went and killed her and i think she was using either strava or some sort of social platform to know where she was going to be jeez that's not good also yeah. maybe because the u.s army had to stop people from using it because mm. all the armies were showing where, where they finish their runs yeah 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 what it does do now for those of you not on strava it does um well i don't know if it's a feature it does it automatically or you, you opt in but it will hide sort of the first Part. I don't know, 500 meters of your bike ride or run or something, so yep. they can't pinpoint your address. But um, it will still show you the area they're in. Okay, so, so tell me about Bonnie. Bonnie is, she was swimming with us this morning. She was running with us last night. She's building up to do the Oxman this weekend. Her kids are coming to help out on the aid station, as is her husband. And she also has been helping me with uh, medals and things like that, sort of sewing up little medals. Nice. Uh, she's always volunteering. If she's not at a race, she's always volunteering. She gives back. Uh, and she's one of those people that I have to keep telling to slow down. Uh, learn to pace yourself. Um, but she's seen huge gains in her swimming. She re- fairly recently joined in with our swimming group, and she's the slowest one in the not slowest one. She's one of the slowest in the, in the slower lane, getting lapped and things like that, but yep. she kind of fit, fits it in. But she's um, seen big gains there. But she's someone that I always have to sit. Last night, for example, we were doing a bit of a taper session. We just had a couple of 1K reps where I said, right, I want you to just do these roughly at your half half Ironman effort. And uh, for her, that wasn't going to be much quicker than five-minute Ks. And I said, Bonnie, don't go quicker than five-minute Ks. <laughs> Got to the end of the first five-minute, first K. I was like, Bonnie, that was not a five-minute K. <laughs> Naughty girl. <laughs> um which is always very helpful and always encouraging of others and one of the first people that will turn up to, if somebody else turns up a session, she'll go over and talk to them and stuff like that right, if, if they're a newbie. Saw. And she does some crazy good training. She was working down in Timaru for a year and she was like, quite often she'd just bike to Timaru um, to, for, for work and uh, and then bike back at the end of the week once she'd finished her work week. That's good. Well, she swam this morning. She swam nearly 2,800 2, Ks, 800 
meters. I'll tell you exactly what she did when we did John Swimsey. Well, and she she averaged one forty one per hundred meters. Yes, which ain't too bad. Yeah, and our oh, Bonnie must have done our coast. No, she didn't do our coast to coast ride. What's rides this? She did a ride from Christchurch to Lake Brunner, which is almost on the complete opposite side of the of New Zealand, and she took two hundred and sixteen point. 81 kilometers, 11 hours, and two minutes of riding. Okay. Picking, she probably did that solo. Well done. Well done, Bonnie. Okay, Bonnie, you are our winner of the week. Okay, Jumbo, uh, let's go into your quiz question. So, their question was what were the bikes? Okay, I'm going to say specialized. I'm not going to say specialized. They're no longer around. They might be there or thereabouts, but um, they'll, be, they'll be on the list. Canon? Canyon? Canyon. Yeah. Canon's the printer. Yep. No, no, but the bike isn't there. Canyon. Canyon. Yep. Yep. Um, Kona. Remember the Kona bike? Kyoto. Kyoto. Is that that back? I don't know if it still exists or not. But there was a Kona bike as well, wasn't there? There was brands of Kona. I think that's a model rather than necessarily a brand. But Uh, I think you're really crappy mountain bikes called Kona. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What about some of the classic names? Would they still be around? Some of them will be, yeah. Cannondale. Cannondale? Oh, that'd be a stretch. Don't think Carrera? so. Carrera? Was that was? Yeah, Carrera. Carrera. Yeah, that's uh, that's old school. I I I'd be surprised my, if there's my one first bike was a Carrera. Yeah, they were old school. They were classics. Yeah. Um, okay, so those are my picks. Well, I'm think I'm <laughs> going. I'm with you in terms of Canyon. I reckon they'll be number one, and then I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Savello maybe number two. Oh, they're still around, are they? Yeah, yeah, they're still pretty strong. Okay. And I'm going to go Trek for number three. Okay, wait a second. So where am I finding it? Uh, there's a link there. Triathlete Magazine did an article on this. Okay, Cervelo okay. was number one. Okay, so I had them number two. Uh, Trek. I had them you number You did f- not get number three. No. Quantana Roo. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seapose down there, John. Nice. Further down, but a cube. I'm surprised that our Canyon's fourth. I'm su- surprised for me. So Savalo's not really a surprise. I had them number two. Trek's not really a surprise. Quintana Roo, total shock. Yeah. No, didn't even know they still bloody did bikes. Specialised. Canyon's not a surprise. Felt, yeah, okay, specialised. Um, BMC's 53. If we if we look down at the bottom. Right down. Guru, Kestrel, Merida, Factor. What's the Parlay. biggest bike brand in the world? seven cubes over there. That goes to show how... Um, American dominated this. I'd love to see the stats on this compared to say Challenge Rote and see how many cubes there are um, there compared to, to Rote. So there you go. So top five were Savalo, Trek, Quantana Roo, Canyon and Felt. Okay, so then if we go, what's the top 20 road bike brands in the world? Mm. What do you reckon you could say there? Road bikes. Hmm, then right. I might go specialised. Well, I don't know if they've actually given me an order here, but uh, Bianchi. Bianchi? Bianchi is number one. Really? Based on this list. Savalo, uh, Ridley. Ridley, yeah. Ridley, uh, specialized Trek. This is B- where European BMC. BMC. Shirley. Yeah. Uh, Pinarello. Yeah. It's very different when you go to road bikes compared to TTs. Okay, what is, okay I'm going to go to TTs Sav- then. Yeah, Savalo is... Yeah. Uh, most... Um, the biggest TT bike. Mm-hmm. Random world. Okay, and TT... TT... Uh, cycle brand in the world. Okay, here we go. Okay, um, best. No, but they're not giving me the most popular. Okay, winning manufacturers. Oh, these are winning manufacturers. 
No, that's no, no, that's not going to work. Um, okay, let's compare while, we, while we're here. This is great podcasting. Doing tell you on what, the fly. I'm loving it. If we do compare the women's world champs to the men's world champs, which was held in Europe and in, in Nice, okay, um, we'll see what results they come up with. Okay, where you go? Quite different. Uh, well, relatively, Canyon came out on top. Cervelo, Trek, Specialized, and BMC. So this is the difference when you go to Europe. Quantana Roo, who was second, they're now two, four, six, eight, like tenth or something like that. Well, and cubes pretty... a lot higher up as well. Oh, but still, the big players are Canyon, Cervelo, Trek. The big players are out there. They're there making the money. It's, it's, it's a funny game, but isn't it? Because there's not many brands that last forever. Like when you think of that list there, mm. Cervelo came around when we were started. Mm-hmm. You know, because I remember that was kind of Brian Rhodes and that were kind of the yeah. first ones to get those bikes. Yeah. And they had that, the loop around the wheel, didn't they? That was kind of their thing yeah. at first. Canyon, um, Canyon's a pretty new player. Yep. Um, Specialized been around for a long time. Trek. Have as well. Yep. BMC, sort of somewhere in the middle. Yep. But um, you don't have a brand that's been on 50 years, do you? No. I wonder, I wonder what the oldest one would be out of them. Probably. Trek, I would have thought. Yeah, it's been around. Quantana Roo has been around since triathlon, very early days. Yeah. No. When did Trek start? Because that was an American brand. It was. No. Was it? Was it? There you go, Bevan. Kyoto's still there. There was nine Kyoto bikes in. What was that? What was that, what was that Planet X? Remember Planet X? Planet X. So a British brand. One of our coaches still uses the Planet X bike. Yeah. Nice. It was big for a moment, wasn't it? So it's obviously a tough game. It's a tough gig. Bikes. Bikes companies at the moment are not doing well. No, because it's a big ticket spend, isn't it? Mm. Very good. What, what's, what's the cost of living crisis? Cost of living crisis. You're not, you're not, you're not spending money on a bike. No. John's swim set this morning. This is one that Bonnie did. Uh, what did we do? It was kind of sort of a bit of everything today because we sort of had some people tapering, some weren't. So we had a bit of speed and then we had the heat issue. So I had to change things a little bit. We had a 400 warm up and then we did two times 100 IM and 100 kick. So much variability in how people kick. It's like, it's oh, really? insane. I'm pretty hopeless at kicking. Same, I was always better. <laughs> and then we did 1250s doing one build up, one where you went 25 easy, 25 fast, and the next one 25 fast, 25 easy. Then we did five 200s moderately hard, sort of around half Ironman pace, just a little bit harder. That's when the heat sort of came on. I was sort of struggling to get through that set. And then we did 600 pull doing hypoxic breathing, three, five, seven. So 50 metres, three-stroke breathing, 50 metres, five-stroke breathing, 50 metres, seven-stroke breathing. While it's supposed to be steady, I said, dial it down a bit. Let's try to just cool down a bit here. Yep. And then we finished 8.25s fast on um, with quite a bit of rest and 100 warm down. It was two, uh, 3.2, I think, case. Well, Bonnie did 2.8. Yeah, she's tapering. Yep. Sensible girl. Well, so Oxman's this weekend, is it? Oxman's this weekend. Well, tell me about it. Oh, wait a second, we'll do the wrap-up. Yep. Uh, let's say thank you to our patrons. Jeremy, the Canadian Hopwood. And we've got Anthony, the Squid Express, Cam- Camarilla. 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 And Roger, the Chop Cannon. Okay, if you want to become a patron of the show, go www.imtalk.me, go to the support the boys, follow the process, just do it. Simple as that, just do it. Really helps the show. Uh, for coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. For anything I do, bevanjamesisles.com. If you want some Epic Camp stuff, epiccamp.com. If you want to email us, email us at imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, John, what's your goss? So, yeah, Oxman coming up this week. Big yawn? Big yawn. It's a big week this week. Last night was probably my last decent sleep I'll get. No, it's, it is hard work. It's a bit of a one-man band on the day. Heaps of people helping, which is fantastic. Awesome. But up to there. 
sort of build a, build a rod from my own back where that's pretty much me sort of running around doing all sorts of bits and pieces. Um, but that way, we keep the entry fees down. How many... Um do, what the, are the different races you have? We have a kids race. So they do a little run, bike, run. We have the junior race. They do a, th- what do they do? They do about a 200 meter swim, 11K bike, 3K run. Then we have the mini ox man, which is a seven, it's a strange distance, 750 swim, 46K bike, 7K run, very bike dominated. That's because I changed the course a few years ago and it's like, it should be kind of a between a sprint and an Olympic. Yep. But I kind of just sent them on the same loop that the half Ironman athletes did. Okay. Whereas in the first years, I kind of had a different one. But just anyhow, logistically hard to if, manage. If you're a if you're a cyclist, it's a good one to do. And then the ox full ox man is a it was duathlon formats for all of this as well. Like just a standard half Ironman, one point nine, ninety two, and twenty one point one. And then have a multi sport race, and they do a two about a two k run. 46k bike, 14k run, and a 10 kilometer kayak. 10 laps around the lake. Gets a bit tricky to count to 10. We have lap counters trying to help them and stuff on there, but it's uh, quite tricky to count 10 laps. <laughs> and then they run to the finish. That is, that is quite tricky. So, so that's it. It's looking good. Weather's forecast is looking pretty decent because we have had a shocker last year and the year before. And you'll probably have about. Hopefully we'll get close to four hundred people all up. That's great. Three seventy-five. Yep. So, but in the half we'll probably only have hundred and ten. So it's not quite as many as I'd hoped. Yep. Um But why not? Is it, I don't know. It's national champs this year. <laughs> We've only got that many people. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, it's a, a bit on this time of the year, and there's, we have the the Topo seventy point three, which is like two weeks after. So people can oh, okay. choose one or the other. And mine one, if you enter early, is $195 compared to go to Topol. Pretty sure you'd be paying double that, but anyway. More than double, wouldn't um, it? Yeah, especially if you start coming in late, it'll be, um, yeah. what does it cost to enter? There we go, he wants to know. <laughs> yeah, we, While you're doing that, a Phoenix, facts, right? probably, a Phoenix soccer player swapped his jersey with Lionel Messi in the World Cup. This must have been years ago. And he's selling it, he's reckon he's got millions of dollars for it. Really? Yeah. Wellington Phoenix, so Wellington Phoenix is our... Like local a, football team. Which is basically a nothing team. Yeah. Um, it's our local... Like hey, they're, it's our they're local. in the top couple in the league at the moment. Yeah, I know, but it's on a world scale of <laughs> soccer <laughs> it ain't big. I'd be, I'd be getting beaten by Wrexham. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Registration is still open, Bevan, for the top or 70.3. What are you paying? They won't, probably won't tell me until I'm about five steps in, uh, but let's have a look. Do you reckon I could just turn up and do it? Based yeah. on that time you did that, we did that thing for the Ironman talk... Five hundred ninety-five bucks. There you go. Come do the Oxman this weekend. Even my late entry fee is two hundred and seventy-five. That's less than bloody half price. See, if you get in early. It's yeah, hundred ninety-five bucks, and it's a nice course, and I'm friendly most of the time. Wow. <laughs> as long as he's not ranting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you get to join you some rant, you're in trouble. Done a rant for a while, have I? No, you too. You're, you're, you're getting you're getting soft in your old age. No. Because normally people get more grumpy. I'm not gonna be that person. I'm mm. not gonna. I'm not gonna. As I get old, yeah. I'm not gonna be the person who. Well, when I was young, well, yeah. these kids don't know. Yeah, like, I'm not gonna be that. I'm like, you know, like kids make mistakes. A little bit like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an extra year older than you. Aren't it's I? actually one of the great things about my job because in my job, every year I'm a new bunch of high school kids, mm. and so you kind of got youth around you a lot, and mm. you got them in a way where they actually enjoy being around your environment. Mm. So you're not. You're not. 
the adult in the room. You're kind of just having a fun exercise. Now, it's not just lots of, you know, you've got a broad range of people around you, but it keeps, it does kind of keep me young, mm. you know, because you are, you know, you're having a laugh with young kids and you're kind of being a leader to young kids, but in a cool way. Um, and because I do think, there was once a TV show on the BBC called Grumpy Old Men mm-hmm. and it was just grumpy old kind yeah. of funny guys just complaining about everything yeah. it was just complaining about the youth of today mm. it's like <laughs> every generation thinks they had the best yeah so it's like I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm embracing the future very good what's, in, what's happening with your week Bevan we went to Queenstown for the weekend we had the Queenstown oh, Marathon yeah it was a great day actually Braden Curry won the half marathon which says a lot doesn't it does does say a lot, yeah. Because he doesn't even fit, and and his time was fine. It was it was all right. What did you do about like, one? I think it was one. Was it one eleven or one fourteen? Yeah, no, I think it was eleven. Yeah, which again, it's a great time. But he's probably not going to be that much slower than that when he goes and does it at a seventy point three. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. I think that the marathon guy was a pretty decent runner. Yeah. Um, and the female was a pretty decent runner. She had a pretty good time in the yeah. marathon. Mm. But they don't. They no don't, prize money. Why would you? Yeah. If, you're, if you're a good runner, they should put some prize money on. Come on, they make so much money. I think it's like 180 for the half. Yeah, you coming know. to the Oxman this weekend. I've got a, <laughs> I've got a half a, half a marathon option, and I think it's uh, like 59 or 69 dollars. There you go. <laughs> Come do the Oxman. That's that's the message. Um, but it is a good event, and I've got to tell you, John. So we we our running business, we don't really train marathoners as such, but. At this race, what we do is, because we, we do 5K, 10K, half marathon, and that's kind of, we do group training. Uh, and this race, we tend to get a lot of people wanting to do the marathon, so we, mm-hmm. we give a program that sits on top of a half marathon. So I think we had like maybe 18 people doing the marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was pretty special, because we had probably, of those 18, few of them were people who had done quite a few marathons. Mm-hmm. But they had some great performances. Uh, but then we had probably six or seven of them who started with our 5K group. Nice. Yeah, and mm. and you know, and, and and I've been running for us for a while. So does like Gareth? I think he's been running for three years, and you know, it's just like, and they went fast. It was you know, mm. it was just getting a marathon done. But mate, tears in my eyes. Mm. You know, it's such a big thing for these people, and and like some of them were very overweight people. Like I think Gareth's lost like thirty kg. Nice. You know, and um, yeah, it was you know like exercise, working in fitness. There's lots of rewards working in fitness, and it's also a bit of a tough game, um, but. When you get those moments where you see someone mm. do something that's absolutely huge in their life, and especially when you've seen them at that start point, where mm. like these people were people who, like there's a girl called Vanessa, and and I, you kind of because you see these people so much, you realise how much they've progressed. But mm. Vanessa joined us, and she was quite overweight, and then for some reason I was looking through some of her old photos, and she was a big girl, you know, mm. like. And and now she's you know she's in a really healthy place with her weight, um, and she did her first marathon. Oh no, it's just yeah, it was it was very special. And they, and they out there sort of five five six hours sort of thing. Oh, our slowest was over seven. Yeah, yeah, most of them are five six. Yeah, um, but slowest was seven. Though, but there were two of them, Heather and Lisa, um, and they decided this year they wanted to do their first marathon. And mm. good thing about Queenstown is you get seven and a half hours. Right. Whereas yeah. Christchurch you only get six. Right. Because Christchurch uh, close off the roads. Yeah. So and so. Queensland's not a fast marathon, but you know, there are people out there. It's nice and you're on trails a bit. Yeah. And, and, and the ones who took six over seven hours, they ran the whole thing. Mm. They, well, they might have stopped at aid stations. They're just slow mm. runners. But, mm. um, but mate, when they came up that finishing shoot, mm. oh, the emotion was pretty special. Mm. Now, the problem was, the emotion was pretty special. Got a bit of a couple of tears in my eyes. I forgot to put sunblock on. So oh. I rubbed my eyes. Oh, I, no. I, like it. <laughs> <laughs> I was all over the place. <laughs> so I had that. That was pretty special. And then, um, 
that's the thing about sport or mm. exercise. Mate, you bring it into someone's life who's not exercising. Mm-hmm. It, like, we we understand it. We love it. We'll, mm. we'll be doing it to the day we die. But when, you know, when you get people who haven't exercised and you bring it into their life, it's such a mm. special thing. Uh, one thing that is interesting right now mm. is party season's begun. And I know this not because I'm a party animal. Yeah. I know this because the gym has died. Oh, really? Like, last week, so in Christchurch, show week's our first kind of party week, really, isn't it? Yeah. So it's our anniversary weekend. We have the races and all that kind of stuff this week. And uh, last week was like, classes were half as full. Really? Yeah. And I thought this week would pick up. Not much. Ah, not much. Interesting. Party season, people, mm. exercise falls out the wagon. Mm. And then January comes around and we're chock a chock chock. Did you go to the races or you didn't go, did you? I didn't go to the races, no, no. I uh, did buy a lotto ticket on Saturday. <laughs> it what, didn't what, do me any good. What was it paying? The lotto, I don't know. I didn't buy it because it was anything special. I was just like, often on public holiday weekends, so I'll go and buy a lotto oh, ticket. Yeah. <laughs> um, do, you have, so do you have a system for your number or you just get lucky dip? Lucky dip. But I thought, oh, I should come out with a system. I reckon I'd probably buy four a year, if that. If my maximum, I reckon it's probably less than that. But uh, what do you pay for lottery nowadays? Quite expensive, like twenty bucks or something oh, like that for a multi okay. sort of thing. We bought we bought one when there was like thirty when there was like the biggest ever. But what you do when you're buying lotto is you're buying a dream until the moment it, the draw is done. And I'm investing in other sports organisations and organisations where I'm going. I'm not going to get that money, but somebody else is going to get yeah, some that's of how that. You look at and it. They're going to go be able to buy a new trailer for their club. Because I remember when I bought my lotto ticket, and I don't. It's pretty rare I buy lotto. Probably and Tom Joe and I have been together. Probably bought two lotto tickets. Mm. But man, once you buy that lotto ticket, you think about what if I win, <laughs> yeah. and you're spending the money, and then your numbs come out, and you do abysmally. Yeah, but. Did I tell you about my rich uncle Phil who won lotto? You've, yeah, you've yeah, no, rich uncle Phil. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rich uncle Phil who won lotto. Nice. That was good. Well, he needed to. Right. <laughs> right. He was poor uncle Phil and then overnight he changed to rich well, uncle Phil. Well, he didn't win, a, he didn't win like millions and millions, but he won enough to buy a house. It yeah. was great. It was really nice. good for him. So, Anyway, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick up. up.